0: Now, we've already done a list on the 10 biggest battles we never got to see in Star Trek. That link will be in the description below. This is for the other biggest events we never got to see. With that in mind, I am Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are the 10 biggest Star Trek events we never got to see. Number 10. The Romulan Secession from Vulcan. What would eventually become the Romulan Star Empire broke away from the rest of the Vulcan race in about 370 AD. This was during the time of Awakening, when Sarak was beginning to lead the Vulcan people who had until then been a savage warlike race into a new era of logic and wisdom. Not all Vulcans were on board with this idea, which led to Atomic War. While this part of the breakaway was shown in Star Trek Enterprise, specifically during the Forge trilogy, the rest of the formation of the Romulan state remained shrouded in mystery. It is known that a sect of them broke even further away, becoming the Dabrun, who had become by the 24th century. As Admiral Dowdy comments in Star Trek Insurrection, when the Romulans first went out into the galaxy they were little more than thugs. However, before the supernova that destroyed much of the Romulan Empire in the late 24th century, they were a vastly powerful force to be reckoned with in both the Alpha and Beta Quadrants. They have yet to receive the exploration that even the Klingons have received, but a good place to start would be their landing on what would become Romulus. Number 9. The Beginning of the Borg Very little is known about the actual earliest days of the Borg, save from what the Borg Queen has revealed from time to time. In Star Trek First Contact she informed Data that when the Collective was in its infancy it was very much like humanity, flawed, weak, organic, however as she describes it they evolved to better themselves. This took place over thousands of years, building a small amount at a time before erupting into a major power in the Delta Quadrant after the 15th century. There have been several theories posited throughout the years as to their actual origin, including one that would have brought them into contact with Admiral James. T. Kirk. A cybernetic race of beings discovered Voyager 6, reprogrammed it and sent it back on its way to Earth. This was not assimilation in the truest sense of the word, so it's unclear whether this was in fact the Borg. In any case Viger, as it became to be known, did arrive in the Delta Quadrant so, unless there was another race of highly advanced cybernetic lifeforms out there, this could be an indicator to an earlier version of the Collective. The expanded universe novels Destiny offer another exploration of their origin, yet, for now, their beginning is as big a mystery as Star Trek offers. Number eight, the launch of the USS Enterprise. The original USS Enterprise was launched from San Francisco shipyards in 2245. It was under the command of Captain Robert April, who, to date, has only appeared in one episode of Star Trek The Animated Series, The Counterclock Incident. It's one of 12 heavy cruisers commissioned at the time, with design input from Sarah April, Jason Marvick, and Dr. Richard Daystrom. While much of the Enterprise's five-year mission under Captain Kirk has been seen, many of Captain Pike's adventures remain on the scheduling block. Strange New Worlds looks to fix this, though this still takes place years after April's in- initial run on board the ship. With the Enterprise being the most famous ship in Starfleet history, it seems baffling that these early years have yet to be seen on screen. Perhaps this is something that Strange New Worlds will look to fix, either through flashback or through good old fashioned time travel. There's no confirmation as of this article's publication that April will be appearing on the show, though it seems a massively missed opportunity for him not to appear and close an almost 60 year hole in Trek history. Number 7 The Arrival of the Cardassians on Bajor the occupation is one of the darkest periods of the Alpha Quadrant's mid-24th century history. The Cardassian Union annexed Bajor, instigating a brutal military dictatorship over its people, forcing millions of Bajorans out into the quadrant in an attempt to seek a better life. While the resistance cells would eventually rise up and overthrow the Cardassians, the fraught relationship between the two didn't begin with hostilities. The Cardassians arrived on Bajor with friendly smiles. While Bajor's art and culture were thousands of years old, predating Earth's own cultural history by several thousand years, they were logically 100 years or so behind the Cardassians. These friendly neighbours arrived with promises of so-called modernization, offering to bring Bajor up to their level in terms of agriculture and interstellar trade. However, the masks soon slipped. The early days of Cardassia's arrival have never been depicted on screen, with only the final days of the occupation and subsequent Federation Dominion Wars taking up much of Star Trek Deep Space Nine's run. An exploration of the beginnings of this conflict seems like a perfect candidate for any Trek historian to bring delight. Number 6. The Romance of Calus and Lucara. Calus and Lucara are, in a way, the Klingon equivalent to Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. There is a slight difference between the two stories, though. While Romeo and Juliet simply destroyed themselves, Calus and Lucara brought down the dictatorship of Molar, slaying, along with 500 other Klingons, almost the entirety of the city guard. Calus was a commoner who rose up against Molar, who was having live sacrifices thrown into volcanoes in his honour. Along with Lucara, Calus managed to bring down Molar, with their story becoming the greatest romance in Klingon history. While a clone of Calus returned, thanks to the interference of the on Borath, the fabled return of Kaelas has never actually happened in Star Trek. Before the return, the original story of Kronos' greatest pairing needs to be shown. Lucara became the archetype for all Klingon women who followed, powerfully loyal and a dedicated warrior herself. Together they started a dynasty that lasted until the days of the Federation Alliance. For such an influential couple, their pairing and life together seem a perfect candidate for the audience to be shown. Number 5 The Signing of the Treaty of Algeron The Treaty of Algeron was an agreement between the Federation and Romulan Star Empire that was signed in 2311. This followed the Tomed Incident, a coup for the Federation that, with Captain John Harriman's assistance, effectively helped end the period of hostilities with the Romulans that had continued off and on since the Earth-Romulan War. The treaty was primarily concerned with shoring up and defining the edges of the neutral zone, enshrining the law that breaching the border by either side without advance agreement would constitute an act of war. It also restricted the Federation from developing cloaking technology for its starships. There were officers after this, such as Admiral Eric Pressman, who felt the treaty was a huge mistake. However, somewhat ironically, it was his protege Will Riker who used the treaty to protect the planet of Capelius from the Romulan Free State in 2399. This enormously influential event has yet to be depicted in any form on screen, with the current series occurring in periods either too far before or too far after it. This could, perhaps, make this a perfect candidate for a future short trek. Number 4. The Fall of the Hobbitian Republic The first Habesian Republic was the system of civilization that existed on what would come to be known as Cardassia Prime, thousands of years before the events of the next generation in Deep Space Nine. These people were polar opposites from the militaristic population that Starfleet would come to know. They were said to be very close to the natural world. They used Jevonite, a rare and beautiful substance, in their art and constructs. Gul Madred attempted to tempt Captain Picard with a trip to the Habesian burial grounds where he was held prisoner, preying on the man's love of archaeology. The fall of the Habesian people came. not from war or battles but from climate change. This once bountiful resources on the planet dried up and died, succumbing to sandstorms and turning into deserts. What remained of them in the centuries and millennia that followed was eventually plundered and sold, going toward feeding the enormous military budget of the Cardassian Empire. Madred lamented that so much of their history had been lost to the very government he claimed to serve faithfully. Number 3 The Decommissioning of the Enterprise A Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, deals with the twilight of each of the main crew's careers, front and centre. All of them are due to stand down in the months that follow the events of the film, though the story ends with them still aboard the Enterprise A, heading for the second star to the left and straight on till morning. The Order had come in to put back to space dock for decommissioning. Now, while the actual physical breakdown of the ship might be a bit much for the audience to take at that point, the actual ceremony that would surely follow the retirement of arguably the greatest crew of the 23rd century seems to be an essential event in Starfleet history. If the Enterprise A, one of the few lucky ships bearing the name to ever get a chance to retire, were to simply come home and have her crew safely at HQ for the last time, for them to follow with a toast and a tip of the hat to the old girl, that would be a scene that would make the hardest Trekkie cry. Number 2 The Foundation of the United Federation of Planets No, these are the voyages, does not count. Foundation of the United Federation of Planets is potentially the single most important moment in Star Trek's history, up there with the Battle of Wolf 359, the launching of the original USS Enterprise and the ending of the Dominion War, yet it remains the only one of these options never to have received a proper on-screen appearance. There is a chance that watching a bunch of dignitaries sign some treaties could be slightly dull to be fair, however, much like the real historical parallels like the establishment of the United Nations, there is enough pomp and ceremony. to turn it into a huge affair with all of the attention that it deserves. Enterprise is the only series to touch on it as the original series Discovery and soon Strange New Worlds are all set roughly 100 years later. If that fabled fifth season of Enterprise ever manages to claw its way into reality, the formation of the greatest alliance that the Alpha Quadrant has ever known should surely be top of the list for stories to explore. Number 1 The Great Diaspora when Starfleet encountered the Zindi in 2153, there were reptilians, insectoids, arboreals, aquatics, and primates still alive and members of the Council. However, by this time, the avian elements of the Zindi race had become extinct, leaving only their bones as a testament to their existence. By the early 21st century, a continued civil war between the various Zindi factions led to the eventual destruction of Zindus, the homeworld. While the other races were able to escape, the avians had never developed the technology for them to escape their doom. There trapped on the planet, succumbing to the destruction around them. Over 100 years later, they were still remembered in stories by the survivors of this disaster. As the other races escaped, this became known as the Great Diaspora, spreading the Zindi out throughout the Delphic expanse. They would of course come to be the victims of the time travelling aliens that encouraged them to attack Earth, though this was eventually rectified thanks to the actions of Jonathan Archer and the NX-01. By the 26th century, there were Zindi serving in Starfleet.